Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Rachel Lavin. Rachel is an author, professional speaker, and body love educator, certified personal trainer, and health coach. In 2020, Rachel wrote her first book, The Donut Diaries, about her own struggles with weight and restrictive diets, which lasted for over 30 years. As Rachel turned 40, the expression, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, hit home, and she made a decision to take her power back and heal from decades of negative thinking and self-sabotage. Rachel began to do the work on her mind, body, and soul. Writing her book was her way of sharing her message with women and men alike that they're not alone. In the episode, Rachel explains the steps she took to love and respect herself, her three pillars of fitness, advice she'd give to her younger self, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to tell you about a company that I've been impressed with for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices, and every order ships right to your door. For $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. Just to put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. But Thrive Market is not just cheap and convenient. My favorite part is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible for everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, Visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Rachel. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thanks, Brooke. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to be chatting. I love the title of your book, <laughs> um, and which originally drew me to you and to your content. You wrote mm-hmm. a book called The Donut Diaries, and I would love if you could tell us a bit about your background and what led you to write it. Absolutely. Well, I have been in the fitness industry for over 23 years, and it was such an interesting place to be because I didn't really fit the mold of your typical personal trainer. And my book is my experiences with that, but it's also earlier. And my experiences with just not having a healthy relationship with my 
body, always on a diet, restricting in some way, and just really not loving myself, which I've learned now that that was a really big issue and a hindrance for me. So I decided when I turned 40 that enough was enough. I want to spend the rest of my life being happy and how I got there is what is in my book. Mm. How many years did you diet? For 40. For 40, he said. Well, okay, let's from birth till maybe like 10 years old. So like three decades for sure. <laughs> so not not starting right at birth, but <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean it feel it feels like that. So maybe that's why I say that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So for thir- 30 to 40, let's say, a lot of years, a lot, a lot. Yeah. And you yeah. said you didn't always come from a place of self-love. Can you talk a bit more about that? Sure. I just, you know, I, I, I can, I can look back now and realize that that's what it was stemming from, but there was always just this feeling of, I didn't fit in. I didn't have the right body. I didn't look the same as my uh, peers. I just didn't grow up in a, a household where those things were nourished and flourished. And it took me a very long time to get here, but all, you know, pain and trauma aside, I'm, I'm very grateful for my journey because I think I had to go what I went through. Cause I truly, truly appreciate the space I'm in now. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients. I work specifically with nutrition and weight loss and a lot of them describe what you're saying of not really loving themselves, but also desiring change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a hard space to be in because they don't love the skin they're in. They don't love the body at the size it's at. They know they want to release weight. They know they want to have more energy. They want to feel more confident. So how, how do you love yourself while still desiring change? I feel like that's a tricky space. It really is a tricky space, but I think if you create a foundation of, okay, This is going to take time. It's not an overnight fix. You know, a lot of women come to me and like, I don't know where this 30 pounds came from. And it's like, okay, well, it didn't just happen overnight. It happened over time. So if you can put that same thought process into making those positive changes, I think it comes a little bit easier. And I think that it tends to stick more, you know, short-term goals are great. And I, and I love them. They keep us motivated, but when it comes to our bodies, it, it has to be a foundation that we've created for ourselves because when we do have those off moments or those off days, or there's some weight gain, it's not like detrimental to our mental health and it doesn't completely derail us. Mm-hmm. I, when you're saying that it's making me think if you have a goal of losing, let's say 50 to a hundred pounds, that can feel extremely daunting to think I, I want to lose 50 pounds, but setting a smaller goal of, okay, 10 pounds in three months, maybe feels more doable, challenging, but doable. And then reaching that smaller goal, but also realizing then after that, there will be another goal. And after that, I mean, it's not just this, I can lose 50 pounds in three months type of thing. How do you stay patient? How do you, what advice do you have for going through that process and just sticking with it? Well, my advice is first and foremost, 
why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you want to feel good? Are you doing this because you want to move better? I just think that I want to lose weight is just so cliche. And, you know, forgive me, I'm not trying to be inconsiderate or I'm not trying to be unempathetic because I've been there a thousand times. So I get it. I know when you just want that weight off and and you wanted to stay off, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly know where people are coming from, but I think when I changed my mindset and realized that all this dieting was sending my body into this, you know, frenzy and it didn't know what to do and it just reacts. And that's when, you know, plateaus happen and that's when weight gain happens or the weight loss doesn't happen. So the more we're just like at peace with ourselves and our bodies and let them move and nourish and rest in our own time, we can reach those goals. I hope mm-hmm. that answered your question. Yeah, right. And I think it's easier to be patient. I mean, I won't say easy, nothing, none of this is easy, but you can stay patient if you're doing something that doesn't feel awful, if that makes sense. So if you're restricting everything, you know, not eating any sugar or any processed food or whatever diet it is you're doing, it's hard to kind of stay patient because you're like, I'm not eating anything that I want and this is awful. And how much longer is this going to take? And I wish I would have seen results already, but if you're doing something that's a more additive approach I work on with clients. Can you add in more protein? Can you add in more fruits and vegetables? Can you add more steps to your day? That feels more sustainable and you can do it longer because it's not awful. (laughs) I really believe that if you hate it and you're not making you happy and you're still not seeing results, then you have to ask yourself, is this worth it? There's Mm -hmm. got to be another way that works for you. And I'm sure you'll agree with your, about your clients. It's not a one size fits all, you know, all your clients are different. All your clients' lives are different. So I think that the more us as personal and wellness professionals are open to, it can't be a linear line to get you to your goals. We have to figure out what you can and can't do, what foods you do and don't like. I mean, it really, I know, again, this word lifestyle, but it's true. You have to think about it in those terms. Like we're doing this to set ourselves up to have a happy and whole life. Mm -hmm. Right. Less of a focus. Maybe weight loss is part of it. But if you're focusing only on the weight loss and the number on the scale, it can be really challenging versus what's going to make me feel good today or what's going to help me have more energy. Or I know I go for a walk in the afternoon. I don't always want to, but I do it because I know I'll sleep better at night. And so just finding the why behind what you're doing. And it also doesn't mean you're always going to want to do the things, you know, was that something you kind of had to learn throughout the process that a lot of things you do, you don't feel particularly excited or motivated to do. Oh, sure. There's still days where I go down the gym. I'm like, don't feel like doing this today. So even by me being present and going down to the gym, and if it turns into a half of my workout or just a walk that day, then I know that I did something for myself. And so I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I think there's a really toxic space in a lot of social media now. I love social media, a lot of it. That's how I connect with a lot of my clients. But there is this idea that I think certain health, wellness, nutrition, fitness influencers 
put out into the world that you are just going to want to do everything all the time. Or if you don't want to, there's something wrong with you. And I'm very real about this with my clients of a lot of the stuff I do. I don't particularly want to do, but I just do it. And I at least start it. I do the five minute trick on myself of just go for a five minute walk, just get out there, get your shoes on. You can come back after five minutes if it's really terrible, but it typically isn't. It's once I get outside and I'm in the fresh air and I'm listening to my podcast, I'll continue for another 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. But it's just getting that initial step, but I don't, the, the words motivation and self-control, I mean, these things are thrown around a lot, but I think it really comes down to discipline and just, you just kind of do it <laughs> even when you don't want to, would you agree? Yes and no. Okay. I agree with you 100% on the fact that it's, it has nothing to do with what you said, like willpower or any of those things. You're not a bad person because you don't enjoy something. So I do agree with you on that. But I like to, for myself and for my clients, just approach it with, I get to do this. I want to do this. And if it's a mindset in that, in those terms, it does become less of a chore. And like, you know, you can tell yourself all day long, it's like, oh God, I have to do this, this, and this. And at the end of your day, you're still dreading it. But it's like, um, I get to go for a walk today or I'm going to go walk with my friend or I'm going to go swim today. Those thoughts in just simple terms, it changes your whole attitude about the activity. Mm-hmm. I, right before hopping on, I actually just saw somebody post that mindset shift on Instagram, I think it was, of I get to your get-to-do list versus your have-to-do list. And I like that a lot, just even, or, you know, even thinking of times in your life when you couldn't do the things because you were held back. For example, I broke my leg last year, so Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go for a walk and that was really hard and I missed it more when I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so just now having that appreciation of trying to think, okay, I get to do this. Not everybody gets to do this. This is something that is special. And I like that. I like that shift. I could use that myself. (laughs) What about, uh, do you think, I'd love to go back to kind of the self-love, like what are some of the first steps you took to your more sustainable weight loss approach, especially in terms of mindset, that Mm -hmm. get to do idea is great, but what are some other ones you did? Or did you have some type of mantras or something for self-love? Like how do you, if somebody right now just like hates the process, hates their body, what are some first steps to break out of that? That's a great question. And I understand when I say this, that this may not work for everyone. And some people may just be like, Ugh, affirmations or whatever. But I have to be honest, that's what worked for me in the beginning, because I was always spewing something negative about my body, about myself or thinking something negative that I had to start there. And so I would, you know, I had a 400 square foot apartment in New York City and on hot pink post-its, I would say, you're beautiful, you're capable, you are enough and put them in places where I purposefully looked every day on the fridge and my bathroom mirror, you know, everywhere where I would see them every day. And then I would say them out loud. And I did that until one day, 
yeah, actually believed it. Mm-hmm. So that was the first step for me that really worked. And then I will say the very next step, which were kind of coinciding with each other, that was so important. And I didn't realize at the time how much I was doing this, but I was looking outside myself for that worth that I didn't have. So, you know, asking friends, do I look fat or, you know, or saying to a friend, I know we haven't seen each other in a long time. I know I got fat. Don't talk about it. So I was projecting all that stuff I felt about myself onto other people and opening, you know, other people's opinions about myself. So when I realized that I really wanted to take care of Rachel and take care of myself, I stopped doing that. And it made a world of difference. And still to this day, I never ask anyone about my body. Now, Mm. I do want to differentiate. There's difference between your boyfriend or your husband or your partner giving you a compliment and saying, you look beautiful. I can't wait to go on a date with you. I'm not saying that. But when you're asking someone to validate you how you see yourself, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. I think it's important you mentioned the first you just read them, then you said them out loud, then you believed them. Because I think... It, uh, many people might have this idea that if they don't believe them the first day. It's kind of like, oh, these affirmations aren't working type of thing. It's yeah. not that you just, it's not that you believe them immediately. It's that you just are constantly reminded by the visual, it sounds like, and then you say them. You just kind of go through the motions until it starts setting in. Is that is that correct? Yeah, for sure. It, okay. it, took, some, it took some time, trust yeah. me. <laughs> Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. So don't just give up immediately and whichever ones work for you, right? Whatever things you want to remind yourself of about your body or your physicality or your worth, put them on post-its. I like that idea. Uh, You also talk about the three pillars of fitness, Mm -hmm. which I like a lot. Can you describe what those three pillars are? Absolutely. Movement is magic. Movement is the answer to so much of our stress and our uh, just moving our bodies. That's what they're created for. Nourishing our bodies is so important. And that also looks different for other people. Some people do great on two meals a day. Me personally, I need, you know, a little more than that. (laughs) And I just think once you get to know what that is for you, one less thing you have to think about every day and then resting your body is so important i i do want to 
say that there are people out there, especially with weight loss goals, who overexercise, and that's probably why you're not seeing results too, because your body is on is under constant stress. And if we don't stretch our body and we don't take a day off from the gym or whatever type of exercise you do, you're just never getting, giving it a chance to replenish and rejuvenate and re-energize. So those mm-hmm. three things I live by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that's really important. The, the rest part for sure. I've had clients before who approach a super busy week at work and they've already been doing some exercise and they think, okay, the next goal is I ramp up my exercise and I say, okay, let's pause. Let's take a step back. You just said this is going to be a super stressful week. You know, exercise is another stress on your body. So if it's stress on top of stress and you're ramping up the stress, that's not always the best choice. But I do think again, in the sort of fitness online space, that's sometimes the message Mm. is push, push, push. Agreed. Agreed. When you, you know, and there's some, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, you go. Yeah. No, I was just going to say about social media. I think the wiser we get to what people are putting out there, you know, you're looking at a person who is already fit and, or naturally fit and they're doing these workouts. <laughs> I mean, we both could probably go on a tangent about this. I just be aware, be aware of what you're seeing that on you know social media versus reality and there's a huge gap there and also i think be aware if your accounts aren't helping you feel your self-worth or love yourself i think a lot of people go onto social media and it just makes them feel terrible about their routines or their own movement it's oh i'm not doing that so mine isn't as good or i'm not eating my fridge doesn't look like that with all of those jars of vegetables <laughs> or whatever <laughs> my fridge looks nothing like that uh but yeah i just think this comparison trap can be dangerous or people who are making you fear breakfast or fruit or whatever just sometimes doing kind of a social media detox can be a good step in the right direction of, I think, just sustainable, more balanced wellness. Agreed. My entire feed is like all the badass women that I follow, uh, puppy accounts and positive affirmations. That's literally all I follow. But I did exactly what what you said. I did a deep clean on all my social media accounts and realize what you what you pointed out is that these things I'm seeing on a daily basis aren't serving what I'm trying to create for myself. So I just stop following them. It's very easy. You just hit unfollow. Exactly. And then it's a great <laughs> feeling when you hop on and you know you're just going to see things that bring you joy rather than pulling you down. My account is yeah. the same way. I follow very few people. I don't scroll as much as I used to. And it's better that way. I think it's better to, it's good to find the balance that works for you with social media because those algorithms are designed to suck you in. So it can be very easy (laughs) to get sucked in because that's exactly what they were designed for. When you say movement, I know you have a physical training or like a personal training background. Mm -hmm. What type of movement, when you say movement, what works, what should people be aiming for? What works best? That is part of my criteria when I'm training someone is that I actually want them to try all kinds of different things because the last thing I want is my client only working out with me. So that's two hours a week. That's 
not, not nearly enough. So I want you to try yoga. I want you to try swim. I want you to try walking. I want you to try it all. And there should be your core exercise of strength training. I would love it if all women would let go of that fear of getting bulky or they're going to look like a man. It's ladies. It's never going to happen unless you choose to do drugs, <laughs> unless you choose to take, unless you choose to take steroids, you will never look like that. So get into the gym or somewhere where you can do some strength training. It's a, the benefits just are so amazing. But have those supplemental workouts, like I mentioned, the walking, the swimming, the dancing, whatever. They're important too. Me personally, it's my therapy to go down to the gym and lift weights and do my my uh, full body workout, you know, four to five times a week. It's just, I love it. It makes me happy. And that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Find something you love, right? Or at least don't hate, right? Maybe you're not going to love exercising, but you get to do it. Come from that frame of mind. Um, I think, yeah, the idea about strength training or finding walking, you mentioned, doesn't always have to be some hardcore endurance thing, again, that we see online. Walking is great. Yeah. When I see people doing like CrossFit or what are those, like you crawl through the mud, I'm like, oh, nope. yeah, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. <thank> you. Yeah. <laughs> Not I, saw, for me. <laughs> I saw somebody liken this fear of bulking up as a woman to not driving your car because you're scared you're going to become a race car driver. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, I love that. Isn't that funny? It's just, it's not going to happen. You can't be scared to drive to the grocery store. You're not going to turn into a Formula One driver while on your drive to the grocery store. So same type of thing. You're not going to super bulk up unless you're doing it intentionally. But I think that's still a myth. I think it's been broken down a bit. But I know when I was younger, there weren't women in the weights area of the gym. When I was in college, especially, it was all the guys over there. And I was on the elliptical with all of the women or the treadmill or whatever, all the cardio machines. I think, yeah. do you get a sense that it's shifting a bit? Or do you think it's still, no, it's no. insane? Even though more women are doing it, I'm still hearing that. Mm -hmm. So the belief system of, you know, I can't lift heavy weights because I'm going to get bulky. It, it's still out there. Unfortunately, I hear it all the time. Right. Can you explain why that's not true? Why you're not going to get bulky? Oh, you want me to dig deep into my <laughs> science background, huh? <laughs> well, let's just say that we do not have the same must oh that's not right how do i say this in terms where it's just <laughs> comfortable well <laughs> you put me on the spot oh huh? i'm sorry i'm sorry I mean, <laughs> no i'm just kidding i mean women we don't have the same makeup as men not that our muscle is different but we don't have the testosterone and so but what, I even think that's not a good answer because men actually have to spend time in the gym to get like that. So, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to let you take this one. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I basically the amount of hours and intentionality it, you'd have to put into your training regimen and your nutrition to bulk up to the extent where you see somebody who's training for some bodybuilding champ or you know competition or whatever. It's yes. just not the three times a week of 45 minutes 
strength training, I think that the majority of us would be doing type of thing. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I think about it of these yeah, people, right. these people have these crazy physicalities. I mean, they are, this is their life. They are devoting, yeah. they are eating in a very restrictive way because they want to, I mean, that's their choice, yeah. Yeah. but that's not going to happen for the casual lifter of weights. Right. Yes, that is a very valid point. Those men and women are spending up to six hours a day in the gym and literally eating a whole chickens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drinking egg whites. <laughs> it's just, or maybe not egg yolk. I don't know what they're drinking, but it's just, I've seen <laughs> some of their posts. It's not what the majority of us are doing. That's for sure. What about uh, if a parent is wanting maybe they didn't grow up feeling self-love and they're on their own nutrition and weight loss and fitness journey and so they're trying to start to love themselves while still change their body composition but they have children do you have any ideas of how to help instill those thoughts and ideas in children so that they grow up with more of that than maybe we did in our lives or any thoughts for kind of modeling for children? I think that is a beautiful thing to bring up because it is so important to recognize that our children hear everything we do. I know that all I remember is that my mom was always on a diet of some mm -hmm. kind. She was always talking about her body or picking her body apart. So that's what I grew up with. So of course that, you know, I adopted that. And that's part of it. Now, even if you are doing your best to lead a healthy lifestyle and be active and eat whole foods, I think it's important that we teach our kids. And again, I'm not a mom, so don't come at me. But I think it's important to educate them on all of it. You know, there's going to be people who don't love their bodies, but there are people that this is what you can do to be as healthy as you possibly can. But that doesn't mean that that should consume your life. I, I just think if we create that open space between mother, daughter, father, son, and swap that and have an open conversation that it doesn't become such a secret. It doesn't become such a thing that they have to harbor or think about themselves and feel alone. Cause I know that for me, I felt so alone thinking that nobody else was going through this. Mm. So super important for moms and dads to have open conversations with their kids and be very mindful of how you talk about yourself, that your children are absolutely going to absorb that. I've seen a lot of kids dietitians who I also follow on social media. I find it really interesting. I'm also not a parent yet, but um, I see them posting this idea that, you know, maybe we used to label foods as the apple is good, the cupcake is bad, but kind of taking the negative or positive charges away from food and just thinking of food as food and it all serves a time and place and describing, you know, oh, not that the cupcake is bad, but if we have too many cupcakes, that's a lot of sugar. And then maybe we don't feel so good after and it can cause our stomachs to hurt. Just kind of approaching food that way rather than that cupcake's bad, don't eat a cupcake, I think 
seems as if it can be another approach. Uh, but again, I don't have kids, so I don't know. <laughs> I know it, it is. I mean, I would like to think that it's an easy thing, but maybe it's not, you know, I do have moms in my life and I see that one has a very open, healthy approach. Try everything. If you don't like it, at least you tried it. And some people are like, just assume their kid is picky and only make some chicken nuggets. So I, I'm not sure where that disconnect comes from, but I have seen all sources. And the first mom I talked about, his her son doesn't even have a question about food. It's like, I'm hungry, I'm not hungry. And that's where he leaves it. And I think that's so cool because mm -hmm. he doesn't, well, I don't know if I like that or I don't know if I want to try that. I mean, the kid eats bimbop for crying out loud. So, I mean, he's really been exposed to a lot of different things. And I think that might be the answer. Just let them try. Just mm -hmm. let your kids try whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Based on what you know now about nutrition, fitness, whatever, is there anything you would tell your younger self? Oh, for sure. I would tell the young Rachel, I always like to say I would put my arms around her because I want her to feel super loved and tell her that everything that you think that you're not right now, you already are. Hmm. And I'm sure just things fall into place more when you come from that love and respect for yourself rather than the self-loathing. I think a lot of people try to kind of like hate themselves into feeling skinnier. Somebody said that to me this week. I try just in the past, I've tried to kind of hate myself and be really tough on myself and just take that approach. And now they're saying, I want to take this approach that's slower, where I'm introducing gradual habits that feel good to me, that help my body feel good. It's just it, those two paths look so different. So I think the former doesn't seem to be helpful for anyone I've found that kind of hating yourself skinny idea. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so sad to me because so many of us women, we do that to ourselves and it's just such a waste of energy. It's such a waste of life. I mean, listen, life is beautiful. I get, but I do get that things happen. So why are you putting yourself in a constant state of, sadness and panic and self-loathing. I like that word that you use when <laughs> we already have enough to contend with, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, let's do our best to be happy and treat each other and ourselves with kindness. Mm -hmm. I ask each of my guests a final question, which is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Well, now that I'm a 50 year old woman, it means that I am going to be active when I get older. It means I'm going to be healthy when I get older. It means that I'm going to live a better quality of life as I get older. And that is very valuable to me. Mm. Where can listeners follow and find you? They can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, all under Rachel Lavin Wellness. My website is also Rachel Lavin Wellness. And my book, The Donut Diaries, is found on Amazon.com. Awesome. Well, I just took a little note. I'm going to put links to all of those things in the show notes. And I just want to thank you so much for your time, Rachel. Thank you for being here today and sharing your wisdom with my audience. Thank you so much, Brooke. You are an amazing, amazing host.
Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.